shankly gets I heard a copy calling Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. On tonight's show, we are going to be previewing the Manchester United versus Liverpool game at Old Trafford this coming Sunday. On tonight's show, representing Manchester United, we have one with us once again, Andy Livingston. Andy's a United fan, also the head of recruitment at uh, Preston North End. If you follow him on Twitter, you'll see him at either a grassroots academy or some sort of fi- football fixture throughout the day, also known to his followers and uh, friends as his office for the day. So welcome to the show once again, Andy. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Pete. Very welcome. And and on the Liverpool side of things tonight, we have Jim Magilton. Jim started off his career at Liverpool before moving on to play for Oxford, Southampton, Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich, where he also managed. Jim has 52 international caps for Northern Ireland and is currently involved with the Northern Ireland under-21s. So, very warm welcome to the show for the first time to you, Jim. Thanks, Pete. Looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to it. Great stuff. Okay, starting with you then, Andy. You're the home side, so we'll start off with yourself first. Looking back at the FA Cup game versus Reading on uh, Saturday, which was pretty much a routine win for United. But one player stood out for me in that game, and that was um, Michael Carrick. In 16 games, he's played with United, four, won 14 and drawn two. How important has his return to the lineup been? Uh, I mean, massive. Really, you can't. I mean, you can't understate Carrick. The, you know what he's done. He's, and it's no coincidence, as you've said, that he's come back into the side. They've gone on a winning run. They look a lot more assured. And you know, when you've got a player like Carrick with his experience and and what, how he sees the game, it gives. You know, I mean, Pogba for what he's you know what they paid for him is still a young player. He's still learning the game, and he's been able to flourish because of how Carrick's played. And, you know, the same with the, the likes of Mkhitaryan and even Ander Herrera. It, it, you know, Carrick's just such an underrated footballer. Yeah, it seems that when Pogba first came into the side, he, he was sort of replacing Carrick, wasn't he, as a, as a more of a deep-lying midfielder? But now Carrick's back in the team. He seems to have been pushed that little bit further forward, doesn't he? And he seems to be having a little bit more of an impact on games. Uh, yeah, he does. I mean, I, I'm, you know, with the energy... Pogba has, you know, and his fitness levels, and he's such an athlete. It, it's almost a waste to 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 have him as that deep line midfielder. I, he can play, he can do it, he's got the talent to do it, but he hasn't got that little bit of experience in game management at the moment, you know, that allows him to do it in a, in a very very effective manner like Carrick does. Excellent stuff, Andy. Okay, then, Jim, over to yourself. Liverpool yesterday played out a, a nil-nil draw against Plymouth. Um, Disappointing, but it was Liverpool's youngest ever team, average age of 21 years. Do you think Klopp should be applauded for the team that he sent out to play, or should he have gone a bit more stronger to get the job done, in your opinion, Jim? You never find out about these kids until you throw them in. So, no, I would applaud that selection. I think they I think they, uh, they all equipped themselves very well. I think it was just a game where we have to give Plymouth so much credit. You know, they came out, they set their stall out. It's always, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always down to home side to be the more aggressive side, uh, to be uh, on the front foot. And for large parts of Liverpool, are they just, you, we just have to, sometimes in a game like yesterday, you, you, you just have to say that Plymouth defended the area really, really well. And their work ethic and their attitude 
uh, to defend was was superb. Yes, we all we all want attacking football. Of course, we do. We want to see goals. But sometimes you got to hold your hand up and say, "Congratulations to the opposition." And uh, and Plymouth deserve a replay. So well done to them. Yeah, Liverpool completely dominated the possession stats, didn't they? I think it was about yeah. 82% possession, but, but they yeah. failed to make any clear-cut chances. Is that something that Klopp should be concerned about? And what can he do in the replay when these kids are obviously going to be playing again? What can he do to, to change that round, Jim? I don't think he's going to do an awful lot, Pete. I think he's just going to encourage them again. He looks like uh, that type of manager. He's going to send them out again. He's going to give them the confidence to go and play. He gives them this platform. So, listen, there, one or two little things probably didn't go their way yesterday. Maybe a little bit of rub with the green. But certainly, Plymouth will set their stuff all out again and it will be down to Liverpool to uh, open up and it will be down to Liverpool to show that more creative style. But uh, in the end, Firmino comes on, Lallana comes on, yeah, Sturridge is on the pitch. So there was enough firepower in the team. Again, I think credit for credit to you and say, well done to Plymouth. Most definitely, yeah. And, um, just going back to, to yesterday as well, Jim. Back over to yourself then, Andy. United have a, a League Cup semi-final fixture tomorrow against Hull City. Do you see Mourinho resting players with the Liverpool game on Sunday in mind? Um, some. I, I think it is such a... Uh, it's a strong squad uh, now. No two ways about it. Um, it, it. It will want certain players still to play. I think he's already said, hasn't he, that um, I think Ibrahimovic has said it. I think he said he will play. And I think he named somebody else. Maybe, you know, I think he might stick with it with uh, Romero. But I, I think he'll go strong because I, I think he'll, he'll see it as an opportunity to, to win a trophy in his first, first season at United. Um, that's why he'll, he'll want to make sure that the job gets done. You know, and, and I think he will go strong. Yeah, just talking about Jose Mourinho, Andy, what, what's the general feeling that towards him from United fans at the moment are they, are they seeing him as in it for the long haul or do they see him as um, like we spoke about on the last, po- last podcast um, with yourself as a more of a short term replacement for, for Van Gaal what's the general feeling towards Jose Mourinho at the moment? It's funny because I mean my lad uh, he's 19 now and he's uh, unfortunately I've indoctrinated him into United since he was about 8 years old uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit before but he went on to the Sunderland game on Boxing Day and I went on to the Middlesbrough game on New Year's Eve and he said to me, he came home and he, he said, he said, it's back. He says, United is back. He said, you can feel it in the ground. And I, I sort of, I went myself in, in Middlesbrough and I listened to how Mourinho speaks now. And I think like Klopp, Klopp gets Liverpool. And Mourinho, I think, is getting United. He gets what it is because we're talking about two emotional clubs. Mm. We're talking about two clubs that you can't just go into and manage the first team. You have to manage the club, the community, the fans, the history, the legacy. You have to manage everything about it. Um, And in other clubs, this is no disrespect because Mourinho's been at some big, big clubs. We know that. Yeah. You know, clubs, clubs like Real Madrid and Chelsea, and Inter Milan, they're clubs where they just want to go in and the first team has to be successful. Uh, and that, that's what he's had to manage in the past. And I think he actually is getting United. Whether or not he sticks it out, he's yet to be seen. But he is, I believe he is getting the club. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point you make there, Andy, because up until a few weeks back, he seemed to be just struggling, didn't he, a little bit. But apparently he brought Alex Ferguson back into um, a couple of training sessions and maybe... 
maybe part of him has rubbed off him a couple of meetings. I know they had a, a bit of lunch together and stuff like that, but do you think that was um, part of the process of what's been happening? I do. I think it's a big part of it. As I say, he's, he's, he's understanding what Manchester United is about. Um, you know, it's a club of tradition. It's a club of history. It's a club that's very proud of bringing its own players through, as is Liverpool. I mean, if you look... Uh, I think Klopp's done it at Liverpool as well, hasn't he, with Stevie Highway? He's, yeah. he's brought him back in as a player mentor. I mean, he's credited as the man who brought through the, the, the Gerrards, Fowlers, McManamans, uh, Mike Marshes, some some quality players. And and I think, you know, to use the old adage, uh, you know, throwing the baby out with a bathwater doesn't work. And he's, he's, the both managers have got it. They, they understand their respective clubs. I think, I think as well, Pete, that... And Andy may agree with this. Is that, you know, at the end of the day, he's only human, uh, Jose Mourinho, and his confidence may have taken a bit of a, a setback. He may have got a knock, and he may have may have taken him a little bit of time just to adapt to the yeah. whole Manchester United ethos and the whole Manchester United thing. It's a bit like the Liverpool thing. And I was around Stephen Harvey, Stevie Harvey when uh, when he came back to Liverpool the first time round. So he has that sort of charisma too, and he, and mm. he has that. Effect one because he was a great player and obviously an idol at, at the club, but also his, his, his knowledge of the game. And Mourinho, obviously, at that setback at Chelsea, has emerged through this. When you listen to the players, I think the players are key in this too. Players, uh, I remember Herrera gave an interview the other week and he was talking about how the manager had continued to encourage them when they were going through that difficult time. So, as a leader, I think he took that on board. And and I think they're starting to reap the rewards for that. Yeah. Also, uh, back into the the academy frame at Liverpool is Dave Shannon. Do you know much about Dave, Jim? Only only briefly. Again, had come in as I was leaving. I think. Uh, but no, listen. Another one. He has had a proud history with the club, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, an, an identity with the club. And I think that having those sorts of bonds only strengthens the relationship between coach, player, and club. So I think it's a, a real positive move. Yeah, also lurking in the background at the moment is a certain Steven Gerrard, isn't there? He's been linked with moves yeah. back to the academy and, and there's a, a role been actually vacated by Michael Beale from the under-23s who, who's moved over to um, be assistant manager, I think it's with Santos in Brazil. So do you see a, a role for Steven Gerrard in the, uh, the near future at Liverpool? Most certainly. And I think he's keen to go on his coaching badges. I think that's really key. And... Uh, because I think you have to develop and uh, your coaching. I think it's it's important that he gets involved in that. Mm. I think it's important that he does get on his coaching ladder. Uh, I think he has publicly said he wants to get, do that. So again, in the round that football club, in the round uh, young players, it can only benefit the club and can only benefit the young lads uh, to listen and to learn. And he will be doing the same uh, because as as we all know, and Andy can bear this out, once you cross into the dark side of coaching. Uh, it's, it, 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 it is. It is. It takes your time. You have to get confidence, regardless of what you uh, achieved as a player, regardless uh, yeah. of uh, you know of, of your knowledge. You, st- you have. To, you, you know there is a confidence building process. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, because I watched. Um, we provided the, the players the other week for an air license course uh, down at Blackburn Rovers, and on that course was um, Darren Peacock, Trevor Sinclair. Uh, Gary Taylor Fletcher and Paul Scholes. Casting their eye over the whole lot was Paul McGuinness. 
uh, obviously recently, but yeah. Man, uh, and he's doing some work, I think, for UEFA and for the for the PFA. And you know, watching some of those guys, you know, those 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 players, they were four lads, and, and I say lads, not lightly, because it was great to be around them. And they again, what what Jim's just said, they get the importance of coaching. Even Paul Scholes, who's you know who's who's now you know revered more than ever as a fantastic footballer, knows that it, it, when it comes to the prove himself, and um, you know, in, and you could see how hard he was coaching. Uh, it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic to see. Yeah, um, when you get handed your assessments, Pete, when you when you get handed assessments at at B license or A license. You are, it's like a driving test, you are so nervous. And that same adrenaline and same emotions will be running through all those lads. All those lads obviously could play. Schoolsy was a magnificent player. Uh, and But again, it's different. Once you get onto that coaching ladder and you're uh, given your first assessment, you are very, very nervous, extremely nervous. But again, getting out there and getting as much experience as you can, it will be of a huge benefit to Stevie Gerrard, who, who, who will benefit from working with top-class coaches. Spot on, yeah. I've actually done my level one and my level two um, licenses, which was um, we, the level two was pretty intense as well, an eight week course, and it's something yeah. I'd like to move on to myself. The like you say, the um, the way for B and something that I'd like to progress to in the future. So, um, like you say, yeah. it's it's uh, it's intense, isn't it? But it's it'll be well worth it at the end of the day. Okay, then Andy, back over to yourself. Patrice Evra has been linked with the return to Manchester United with. Topical subject here, uh, reporting of a coaching role when he retires from playing. Is that something that you'd like to see happen at Manchester United? Um, do you know what? I, yeah, I, I mean, why not? I mean, Ever was another one I used to, you know, Ferguson used to call him his little soldier, didn't he? And, you know, when he was playing. And again, yeah, why not? I mean, I don't think Mourinho, I don't think Mourinho sees Darmian as a long term, uh, a long term left back at Manchester United. I, I don't. I don't think he fancies Luke Shaw at all because basically I don't think he can get, get him on the pitch. Mm. And and I just think that he sees Ebra as to come in to just bed things down, 12 months, he knows the club inside out, highly respected. And, you know, maybe he's, he has looked at him as, as that future coaching role to sort of keep that continuity going through the club. Uh, I think it's important because, I mean, he went through a stage, maybe he's looked when he came in and, you know, uh, you know, Ironically enough, they've just gone the FA Cup draw, they? and got Warren Joyce, who's going to go back to, uh, you know, to Manchester United as manager of Wigan. Yeah. You know, Paul McGuinness obviously moved on, and there's other coaches moved on, and all of a sudden now we're hearing, you know, he wants to bring Ebra back, and he's thinking he's brought Alex Ferguson back into the fold, and you know, one or two other things changing. I think like I say he's realising that there is a Manchester United way, and I think he probably sees Patrice Ebra as a as a great way to move forward. Excellent. Cheers, Andy. Okay then, Jim. Looking towards Liverpool's semi-final on Wednesday evening against uh, a former club of yours, Southampton. Do you think Klopp will make many changes with the United game in mind? Do you think he'll prioritise that or do you think he'll go full strength, in in your opinion, in this League Cup semi-final tie? I think he'll go full strength, Pete. I think he'll want to win it. I think he, he, he again, um, he's desperate to win the trophy and I think he'll go for it. I think he will. I think that depending on how the game goes, he will perhaps have the opportunity to pull one or two out. But no, listen, I think he's going to go top back. I think he's going to go all the big hitters and I think he's going to go out to win. Yeah, it was interesting. He done his press conference today and he said that Phil Coutinho will be in the squad and possibly 
get some minutes, which is probably referring to a, a substitute really? appearance, yes. So, um, and he also confirmed that Carius is going to start in goal. Yet one or two things come out of that press conference, but also, Jim, looking towards the, the January transfer window, do you think Klopp will add to his, his squad, or do you think he'll wait till the summer to, to do his transfer business? Obviously, they've been linked with the guy Quincy Promes from, yeah, from Spartak Moscow, but yeah. how do you see it panning out, Jim? I think I think if a player comes up that he thinks, well, I know it's an old old, old cliche and it's an easy thing enough to say, but I think I think if someone comes up that he feels can improve the squad, he'll go get them. I think he'll go get them, uh, and I think one or two may go too. But uh, certainly, if I think if he thinks that someone will improve the squad, and sometimes it's a it's a good one. Sometimes uh, January can give you a, a little kickstart. Liverpool are in a good position. They're going well. They're playing with great confidence. Again, I think if someone comes along that he thinks can improve the team and maybe re-energise the team, I think he'll go and get them. Excellent. Cheers, Jim. OK, Andy, on similar lines, United have been linked with a with a few players, mainly defensive-minded players, in January. Is that something that you'd expect to happen in January? Do you see Jose Mourinho going into the market for a couple of players? Yeah, definitely. I think he knows, he knows what he wants and what he needs. I think he'll go... I think the uh, Lindelof... I think he's the one that... Uh, is he the Porto guy? Or Benfica? Uh, Benfica guy, yeah. He's, mm. he's a Swedish guy, isn't he? Um, no doubt's got a bit of a chat in his ear. I think yeah. there was some doing and flowing between the, the clubs as to what the fee was going to be. But, I th- it, you know, apparently he has had a medical at United, so we'll right. wait and see how that one comes through. But uh, I, really, I really think that... I think that might just be the only one. He might pick one or two up, like... Jim said, if, if somebody comes available, but you know, if you're looking at the quality of player that you need, that player will generally be involved in the Champions League or the Europa League or still you know in the hunt for titles. It's very, very difficult to prize somebody away. Yeah, looking at United's defence, Andy, um, I know Jones and Rojo have been pretty much the forming a centre-back pair, haven't they? Smolin's been out injured. Another player who's been linked is Jose Fonte from, from Southampton. Um, do you see him coming in at all to a sort of a, a backup, like a, a third, fourth choice defensive option for Marino? Uh, potentially, uh, because I mean he knows him. I think he's worked with him before. Um, I think he's put a transfer request in, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, he has. And he's not. I don't think he's been included in the squad for the Liverpool game. Uh, so I was following, I was just reading actually something before I came on on, the, on Twitter about it, and. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he, he obviously he wants out. You know, as a player, he wants out. He's probably uh, to say, you know, the his agent's been in his ear and he always said, you know what, there's got this interest. Let's see if we can get you out. It's Manchester United. It's your last chance of a, of a really good move to a big club. And you know, let's make it happen. So, and, and he would be. I mean, at the end of the day, he's an experienced defender. He's an international defender. He's played in the Premier League. He'll come in and do a, a good job. Cheers, Andy. Yeah, and um, staying with yourself on this podcast, we can't help but talk about the the guy Wayne Rooney with you. He's just equaled Bobby Charlton's goal scoring record on Saturday, hasn't he? And he he deserves a tip of the half for that. And his, his United career in general, his, his longevity, he's, he's been um, a great servant to Manchester United in, in all fairness, hasn't he? But do you see him staying at United beyond this season? Um, yeah, I mean, fantastic one, you know. Uh, I was listening to, to something the other day on Talk Sport, and they said it was uh, they said you only really a bit like Scholes, a bit like Gerard, you only sort of appreciate players and sit back 
and look at what they've achieved when they're actually not around to achieve anymore. And it, it, it's a wonderful achievement to become, you know, leading goalscorer in Overtake and, uh, well, level at the moment with, with Sir Bobby Charlton and England's leading goalscorer and being England's captain. It, it's just, is it's like, I look back and I say, what a phenomenal career. And you know my opinion on this, Peter. I've said it before, but I still believe he's underachieved um, from what he could have been, from what he was at 18, 17, 18, and he moves to United for a lot of money. And at the same time in Ronaldo, and you look at the how the two careers have, have paralleled. Well, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever why Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney should be winning Ballon d'Ors. He should be winning them, and he should have won at least a couple. Ronaldo did it when he was a Manchester United player. Why couldn't Wayne Rooney? And yet, the stuff followed him around in, in the press, and he probably hasn't helped himself at times. But he's such a wonderfully talented footballer. And will he look back with that? I don't know. Only he can answer that. Yeah, it's interesting what you say, Andy, about the sorts of things that's been in the press about him. But do you think the the English or the, the United Kingdom press in general don't big big up our players enough? Do you think he's had a little bit of a bit of a rough time? Do you not think where so like the likes of Ronaldo will come in and they'll they'll get all the glory and they'll be praised to the high heavens? Do you think Rooney's been a little bit um, dealt a bit of an underhand situation by the, the national press? Yeah, I, I think, and there's no finer example than that at the weekend because there was a bit of a there was a bit of a soundbite, wasn't there, after the Reading game where I think he's asked one of the Reading players, "Do you want my shirt or something?" And he says, "No, you're all right, mate." And that was the headline in one of the papers, not the fact he's equal to Bobby Charlton's scoring record, the fact that a Reading player turns down taking Wayne Rooney's shirt. So it's almost easier to knock people uh, openly. Uh, than it is to sort of to praise them because uh, we all know good news doesn't good news doesn't sell news. So yeah, uh, and it, I, I would agree with that, too, Andy. I agree. I think the press have been very hard on him. A young player coming into the Premier League, setting it away, to have the career he's had, to be uh, to be such an influential figure for Manchester United uh, and England. I think they've treated them very harshly. Yeah, like you say, uh, the, the the likes of Ronaldo and even Torres and and players like that who come over, it's they're they're the golden boys, aren't they? They can't seem yeah. to do anything wrong. But you get a lad who comes from from Croxteth or or Heighton or in the middle of Manchester, wherever they just don't seem to get that that boost or that that praise that these other these other guys seem to get. No, so, but I think I think I think when these guys finish. And he just touched upon it. You know, Scolzi and I revered as one of the, He was a great player. I, I had, I don't know if it was the, the fortune or misfortune play against him on many occasions. And uh, and and he was an he was an incredible player. Knew when to play one touch, knew when to play two touch, knew when to hurt you, uh, running around off the back of you, into the box, scoring goals. said, listen, Wayne Rooney's going to be, Wayne Rooney's going through a tough time with the press now because I think they just, They've just taken this. I don't know. It's an inst- it's not an instant dislike, but there there's something they they're not quite happy with with Wayne Rooney. And uh, when he goes, he will be sorely missed. Really will. I think he's just you know this young boy that emerged from nowhere, if you like, in the uh, in the Everton's first team, and then to go on and have the career. I just think you know he's such a wonderful player, great player, and and Andy may be right. You know, could he have done better? I'm not sure. 
Uh, will he have regrets? Again, I'm not sure. But listen, I think he should be applauded for the career he has had. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you, you're looking. I think. I think the things that, that will get on uh, and get on the fans, particularly the Manchester United fans, uh, back is because you know what I mean. So fans, fans have got memories like you wouldn't believe when it comes mm-hmm. to the, the club, especially as I've said before, two emotional clubs like Liverpool and Man United. Yeah. Um, is it the contract situation? You know, three yeah. four years ago, the United fans they turned on him, and it's taken him a while to sort of win that back. But fans don't forget things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's a difficult situation. I think he's come out of that. You know, he's coming out of that pretty well. Will Mourinho keep him around? Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll be. I think he'll be on. I don't think he'll be able to command. You know, a one. Uh, sort of a three-year deal anymore. I think he might be on a, a one-year contract, a bit like Zlatan with a rolling option. Mm. Um, I, I can't see him because of the lad he is going off to the China money or playing abroad. I, I just can't see that because he's, a, he's you know he's big with his family, isn't he? So yeah. I, I, I don't think Mourinho will want to keep him. Most definitely. Excellent stuff. Okay then, Jim, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and the the Northern Ireland under twenty run role that you're doing at the moment. How, how's things going over there? Not great, Pete. I have to say, our uh, our twenty ones, our twenty ones tend to lose quite a number of games. But in saying that, we we try and push and fast track as many of these young lads through as quickly as we can. Uh, and as a result, we probably lose quite our fair share of games. And uh, but that's you know that's not relevant to Northern Ireland. Really, we have to try and push them through into Nagel's senior squad as quickly as possible. We've had. Great success through our under-21s, Ali Norwood, Luke McCullochs, uh, Conor McLaughlin's, uh, Will Griggs have all played, but Josh McGuinness have all played 21 football and, and emerged very quickly through that uh, pathway. So we are we are very aware of our, our standing with our 21s and sometimes it can be quite frustrating. And frustrating for our 21s because a lot of our lads may be playing League 1, League 2 and if we take them out on a 10-day international break, some of them will be playing in the first team. And by the time they come back, they may be out of their first team. So it's a very tricky one for us. But uh, no, they uh, all love playing and uh, and it's been a pleasure working with them. I've actually, I've actually <laughs> stepped down from the role, Andy, because of my role as the elite, our peak, as my uh, as my role as the elite performance director at the FA. So right. I put a, a plan together and a programme together to to try and cater for all the all the best young players we have in Northern Ireland, try and again create that pathway where, for example, Dylan Davidson came through the same for Preston and he knows him well. So, you know, we're trying to prepare them for life in England. It's very difficult. It is very difficult, as we know, to become a professional player, but uh we're doing we're doing the best we can with the resources we have and we've got some great kids. You've got yeah. some great kids coming through, Jim. I mean I was up at the Victory Shield uh yeah. this year. And you know the two kids, uh, Ethan Gilbreth and Joe. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're quality. Sam Sam McLellan is another one who who, who, who yeah. he's playing gear up. Uh, yeah, again, we we understand that we try and encourage obviously uh, that winning mentality, which is important, of course. But ours is about developing these young players, trying to give them all the qualities that are needed, and trying again to expose them to many. As many top quality games, you know, and I know, Andy. Once they get, once they get over to England, it's fair, they have to hit the ground running. They have to be ready. Yeah. Uh, you know, you only have one chance to make a 
first impression. So these kids are they're they're, they're preparing better. They're thinking about it more. Uh, they're actually in better physical shape than they've been for a while. And uh, so so there are lots of positives. And again, we have to try and get as many players playing at the top end of the game uh, in order for us to be competitive at our senior international team. Simply because, and we've done great. We Michael has done an incredible job, and so have the players. But you look at Johnny Evans, and you look at Gareth McCauley, you look at Stevie Davis. Our best players are playing in the Premier League, so uh, it's important that we try and get that conveyor belt going, and maybe get one or two more through, and potentially playing in the Premier League. Obviously, gives us a better opportunity to win games at senior international level. Brilliant, thanks for your insight there, Jim. Excellent stuff. Okay, Andy, yeah, just like to ask you a little bit about the the goings on at Preston North End Youth at the moment. How's uh, how's results and form going for for the youth academy lads? Yeah, it's not bad. They've come back well. The good win against Wigan on um, on Saturday. Uh, Wigan are a very powerful side. Uh, you know, a lot of those boys were recruited under the sort of UA roles uh, regime. Where I know you know UA likes to buy or likes to you know, likes defend, he likes his defenders to be big. And they have got to defend, and he likes his midfielders to be athletic, and they've got to work, and he likes his strikers to lead the line. And they're a big physical side, and you know we came away with a two-one victory. It was good, um, but we're at that stage as as Jim as well. It's the under sixteen decision time, um, and we we've got a, a really you know standout crop this year. It's it's the best crop that I've seen, and we're sort of it's harder to let players go this year than it is to sign them, if that makes sense. Um, because yeah. you sort of now you're obviously limited to how many you can take. There's lots of players that in previous years would have walked into a scholarship with ourselves, and we're thinking, do you know what? If we let this kid go, um, and unfortunately they're going to go somewhere else very quickly. I mean, we let one lad go just before Christmas, and he walked straight into a, a trial at Middlesbrough. So you know they really liked him. So that's the sort of level of 16s we've got this time. So uh, things things looking good. Um, how that pathway progresses, you know, they, we'll have to wait and see because we we have got, you know, quite a few uh, players now, young players at the club. I'm talking sort of under-23s who are, who are on two- and three-year deals. So I think we'll look at how that pathway progresses and see what we do with that. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're quite happy we've got some good players. Excellent stuff. Cheers, lads. OK, then, that wraps up our, our preview part of the, the show. What we're going to do now? What we do, Jim, you haven't um, done this part before. We have a five-question quiz between yourself and um, and Andy. Right, I'm going to tell you now, Jim, right, the answer to the last question <laughs> will be Jim Magilton. As Pete will tell you, there is a reason behind that when I was on the last one with Nicky Tanner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we did, we had a, we had a, an absolute... Uh, Piece of comedy gold, didn't we, And when oh. Nick was the answer to the question that I asked and I didn't even realise. <laughs> it was a tiebreak tie question, Jim, and the answer was Nicky Tanner. Oh, lovely. Brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. No, it, it was actually which which team um, did Teddy Sheridan score the first live goal, wasn't it, in the Premier League? And he went, it was against me, <laughs> Nicky Tanner. <laughs> I played in the I game. Forrest, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. When, he, when he cut in and put that yeah, one yeah. past uh, past David James. Right. Okay, then. So while United are the home team this fixture, 
Andy will go first. So, first question for yourself, Andy, is who has the most league goals for Manchester United this season from Anthony Martial, Juan Mata, or Marcus Rashford? Oh, league goals. League goals. Um... So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with one matter. He's popped up with quite a few. You'd be correct to say one matter. Four goals in the league. Rashford three and Marshall two. His last time was fired away by uh, the leading goal scorer when I was doing the questions today. So that was uh, too too obvious to ask uh, to ask put him yeah. into the equation. Okay then, Jim. Along similar lines, who has the most league goals for Liverpool this season? From James Milner, Divock Origi, or Roberto Firmino? Firmino. So Firmino is the correct answer. Six goals. Milner, Milner five, and Divock Origi with four. So it's pretty close. Right. Second question for you, Andy. Who has started the most league games for Manchester United this season? From Jesse Lingard. Daily Blind or Marouane Fellaini? Oh, do you know what? Because he fancied he, he went through uh, he went through Fellaini uh, early doors, didn't he? Really liked him. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Fellaini because he went with Fellaini quite a bit early doors. It's the wrong answer, Andy. It's actually Daily Blind with 12 starts, Lingard nine, and Fellaini with nine. So Daily Blind was the answer to that one. Hey, right. Second question for yourself, Jim. Who has the most starts in the league this season for Liverpool? From Joel Matip, Jorginho Wijnaldum, or Dejan Lovren? Oh, my goodness. I will go with... I'll go with Lovren. Dejan. Dejan Lovren. It's correct answer. 17 starts. Jorginho Wijnaldum, 16, just one behind, and Matip with... 12. So that's 2-1 on the scores at the moment for Jim. Right, Andy, third question. In all competitions, who has the most yellow cards for Manchester United from Eric Bailly, Zlatan Ibrahimovic or Paul Pogba? Oh. Uh, uh, Pogba. Pogba's forever getting booked. <laughs> Correct answer. Seven buttons <laughs> for Pogba. Actually, he wasn't, he wasn't too far behind. Zlatan's got six and um, Eric, Eric Bailly's got six as well in all competitions, yeah. So, might have picked up one or two in, um, in Europa League and stuff like oh, that, mightn't he? So, yeah. yeah, it was all competitions. And on similar lines for you, Jim, who has the yeah. most yellow cards in all competitions for Liverpool this season from James Milner, Emre Chan or Ragnar Klavan? Ugh. Who would that be? I'll have to go. Mm. James Milner. Milner is the wrong answer. He's got two. Clavan two, and the correct answer was Emre Chan with three. Ah. So we're back to two apiece. Right. Fourth question for yourself, Andy. Which international team does Hen- Henrik Mikatarian represent? Oh, no, he's in. Um, Armenia. Armenia is the correct answer. Andy, well blocked. Very good. The fa- no, well, the fans. I was in actually Saturday. I was in the uh, Stratford end at the weekend, and that's what the fans were singing. He's on midfield, Armenian, 
so that's better. <laughs> <laughs> got a bit of a helping hand there, yeah? Yeah. Right, okay then, Jim. Which international team does Liverpool defender Dejan Lovren represent? You know, I knew you were going to say that. I just knew, and I had it on the tip of my tongue, and I'm going to cry my eyes out now. It's gone. Dejan Lovren is it. Is it. Oh, is it. Dejan Lovren. Is it Serbia? Ooh, close. It's Croatia. Ah, you know, somewhere there. That is ridiculous of me. Not Serbia for Ireland, Jim. Right, fifth and final question for yourself. Andy, the scores at the moment, what are we on? It's 3 2 to Andy, isn't it? So, well, Andy, you, yeah, Andy, you can take the quiz here if you, uh, if you get this one in the back of the net. Right, Manchester United signed goalkeeper Sergio Romero from which club? Oh, wow. Cheers for that one. Uh... <laughs> Get more difficult as they go on. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, do you know what? I, I, I'm going to it's going to be a complete guess at the Spanish club, so I'm going to go with Seville. It's actually the wrong answer. Same letter, but it's Sampdoria in Italy. No, it is. Oh, oh. I, I really I didn't have a point. No, me neither. I was lost there, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is also a difficult question for yourself, uh, Jim. From which team did Liverpool sign third-choice goalkeeper Alex Meninga from? Was it Alex Meninga? Was it? It was. Was it? Was it Roma? It's actually FC Augsburg in Germany. Oh. Same team as we got Clavan from. Ridiculous. <laughs> Not to worry. We don't need to go to the. T- yeah, them last two were difficult questions. Uh, Andy has taken the quiz 3 2 this, uh, on this occasion. Very so, good. well done. Well done, Andy. Yeah, like we say on every podcast we do, usually what happens, and is that whoever wins the quiz usually loses the football game, unfortunately. <laughs> do you know what's really well? Last time it was, I mean, the last one was never won it, but I mean, that was just fantastic. So, yeah. But yeah, it, it, that, that's every time it's happened. I know that here. It has. So, but I yeah. just hope it's not... Yeah, it's not <laughs> <laughs> the band I'm going to play for you tonight are from Liverpool. They're called Cascadia Fault, Fault Line and they are a brand new four-piece band formed recently. The band lineup consists of Rachel Dunn as their front woman who sings and plays guitar, Joe Jackson on guitar, no joke by the name the lads say, Tony Duncan on bass, guitar and keyboards and Marcus Mayer, Mayers on the drums. The band have just released their debut single, Paper Stars, and Firefly is a B-side on that track. They're both available for digital downloads with a limited CD release due early in the year via Tiny Parcel Records. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Paper Stars by Cascadia Faultline.
thanks very much to Andy Livingston and thanks very much to Jim Jilton for joining us on the Cop Table podcast tonight, pre- previewing the Manchester United game. I hope you enjoyed the show, lads. Yeah, loved it. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, Jim. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, Pete. Thanks very much. And that's our Cop Table preview of the Manchester United fixture. All done. Catch us for our next one. I think it's the Swansea City game that we will be previewing, but if not, we will sort that one out anyway. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye.